Hey, what's up? You're listening to the podcast edition of The Cutting Room, the show where we talk to industry-leading marketers about their content marketing philosophy, process, and pregame before they edit an article live. I am your host, Tommy Walker, and thank you so much for tuning in. My guest today is Melissa Eisenberg from DocuSign, and in our conversation, we discussed knowing what questions to ask when creating attribution models, aligning performance metrics to content production, and creating customer health models. I hope you enjoy the show. We're just going to jump straight into the conversation. Tell me a little bit about your content marketing philosophy and the impact it can have on a business. Yeah, so I started my career in journalism and content really needs to be timely, relevant, and sometimes newsworthy. So the philosophy is really around the target audience. It really addresses the pain points, reducing friction, and figuring out what content formats work there. So basically, I start with a competitive analysis, see how other content has been successful. And along with the qualitative, I also like to think about content attribution, conversion statistics, and measuring your work. My goal is to build out um, attribution models to measure the entire customer journey from the first touch to then product adoption and customer success. So there are a few questions I like to ask myself when building out some of this content. So when I look at attribution, we look at what systems do you use? The traditional is more of the Google Analytics structure. And then what needs to happen eventually for attribution to be complete throughout the customer journey is connecting it to an internal system like Mixpanel, Snowflake. It really depends on your data warehouse. The second question that I like to ask myself is what data do I want to measure? What are the right questions to ask? So basically, if you are doing an email campaign with some of the vanity and engagement metrics from open rate to click-through rate on a content CTA. I then really want to measure on you know, the page that we send them to, what content block are they engaging with? Once we know what content is working, which piece that we create is driving them to log in. So basically, the measurement framework that I'm working with really addresses these questions and connects disparate systems that normally can't go through the entire customer journey and gives us a bigger picture of how to gauge that customer behavior and how they're interacting with content. A few examples, we have on-page attribution. So what are they clicking on? We have the pre and post sale of how long after a customer buys a product, are they actually converting and using it? And then what types of content are really increasing retention and mitigating churn for the audience? I love that because it is such a difficult thing to really think about. And I want to take a step back, right? So we're going to get into the the more practical side. Now, without giving me any specific details, because I know that there's probably a lot that can't be said, what does that content analysis look like? And then how are you thinking about as you're going through the process, what that full funnel looks like um, all the way to the retention part? Yeah. So in building that, you know, the measurement framework, I don't actually, I don't have it fully worked out at my company okay. yet. We're really, really trying to get it done. But as far as throughout the customer journey, we look at, you know, when they buy the product, what happens after that? I have a team of people that I work with that really address, you know, the welcome motion for customers and understanding how to best onboard them. 
And then we look at different stages of the customer journey. Basically, where are they at? Have they used certain features? Are they actually converting from the content that we're giving them on how-tos or something like that? So from that piece of content, where do they go next? Do they select the login button? Do they actually explore new content? Where are they going? So by having this kind of attribution framework, you're able to see at what stages of the customer journey maybe they drop off, at what stages of the customer journey do they actually go through to completion and then go in your product and they start using the feature that you actually educated them about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know that in, in my career, I've worked really heavily with some of the data scientists and I've met one person, one person specifically who was able to build out a model that answers the questions that I have. And I think one of the biggest challenges, and tell me if this is something that is true for you too, is knowing what questions to ask. Does that sound about right to you? Sounds about right to me. I think that asking the right questions about what data to actually measure. Um, So if that is, you know, with Google Analytics, you can get, you know, unique viewers, you can get bounce rate, you can get at different, you know, time on page and stuff like that. But when you go deeper into this type of measurement framework, you're really looking at different types of fields. Uh, From the data science perspective, they call them fields, um, which is definitely a little bit different than what we call it. But those fields of, you know, from content group A, do they go to content group B? Or from content group A, do they go and actually... Uh, convert and log in, right? So all of these like touch points are data fields to measure within your framework. Now you're in the process right now, and I know we've talked about this before, but you're in the process of building out that framework. What are some of the soft skills? Because I know one of the experiences that I've had is even communicating to the data scientists what I want to do and how I want to do it. Because a lot of that process is always like the company is always focused on money in money out much easier model to build how are you communicating that and what are the soft skills that look like when you're trying to get these things built out yeah so i think that i think that really you start with communication right so you talk to a data scientist or a business analyst or even you know someone who's managing different types of like aspects of your analytics department you really have to talk to them and make a very strong business case. Why are we doing this? How is this actually going to drive impact in some way or another? And then, you know, if it can, is it going to drive revenue um, at some point or another? What is the business need for it? And how can you actually utilize it to impact change in the future and to get better results with your content creation? Because content creation is not, you know, flip a button and it's on. It's more of being thoughtful about how you're creating this. Are you getting to the right audience? Um, So in speaking with someone who can actually, you know, do this type of work, not only do you need to create a case, but you also need to understand the systems that they're working with. So then you can actually fill in gaps as you go. So if we know that our backend systems are using Snowflake, for example, I need to understand from, you know, a data scientist or someone in that department, I need to understand what the connection of those disparate systems look like. So if I make a good case in the beginning and say what the value is of this type of attribution, 
it's easier for me to start understanding and opening the door with, you know, with like, you know, someone who I'm working with to get things built. Of course, there's resourcing and time that can be an issue, but, you know, getting it prioritized and getting, you know, the value understood, I think is the first soft skill that you need to have. It's always, it's always an interesting thing. And being able to communicate the timelines to like realistically the timelines on which this stuff is going to, to happen. Okay. So here's my next question. And I think it will lead us into the next sort of segment of the show is once you have that data, right? Once you have sort of this concrete data around what people are consuming, how they're going through the paths, like all of that, how are you then incorporating that into your process for planning and, uh, the rest of content creation that comes from that? Yeah. So I think that when you evaluate different data that you collect from content and from like attribution, um, what you're really trying to look at is customer behavior. What are they doing? Right. Are they actually interested in what you're creating? And that type of data will then filter back in and say, okay, well, how do we recommend content? Not just create it, not just measure it, but what do we recommend to a customer at their stage of the customer journey? Do we recommend a video because it's a low level of effort? Do we actually bring them to a course like we have DocuSign University? Do we bring them to a course for more intense learning? And then understand, you know, in tandem with this, where are they at in their consumption? Are they healthy? Are they not healthy? What types of content convert to what type of customer you have? Understand. I'm going to stop you right there for a second. Yeah. Define healthy and not healthy, because I think that's really important to the overall conversation on how to communicate what you're trying to measure. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, our team has really worked hard on creating digital health models to understand consumption. So when you have a healthy customer, they are consuming at a higher rate than someone who is not a healthy customer. And we try and create content that actually caters to where they are, whether they're not consuming because they don't understand the product or if they're consuming a lot, but then we know that there are additional use cases that can get them to upsell, which is again, business value, right? So when we define those, those zones of health, we really have to use a lot of data to understand maybe projecting how much they're going to use in the future. For our purposes, it would be how many envelopes do they send? So, and how many features do they use? So with a healthy customer, you have an opportunity to further their usage. And then with an unhealthy customer, you have the opportunity to save them and keep them as a customer. I think what's fantastic about that is when I was at QuickBooks, um, we started to, and this was towards the end of my tenure, but we were able to start looking at what the content that we're producing how does that impact the lifetime value of an existing customer, which I think is really difficult. I think a lot of executives are looking at the conversation as like, oh, this is a traffic acquisition play and really getting into the retention side of things. It's kind of foreign, I think, to a lot of people. What is that? Because I know you champion for this. So what is that? What does that look like for you? Generally, not specifically. So as far as retention, we've worked with a couple different strategies to understand how we're going to keep a customer. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're it's providing like promotional, you know, type of activities really out of our purview. But when we, you know, try and look at these things, we're, you know, really trying to understand what keeps a customer. Is it different types of feature adoption? So, you know, we've proven out that if they use more, they're going to stay longer because that that product or that feature has value to them. And then, or at least on my end, I haven't done this, but as far as lifetime value, if we can actually mitigate churn by a certain percentage, that will actually cause more lifetime value of the customer, higher retention, higher dollars. And so, you know, we've worked on projects, for example, that have included, you know, when someone tries to cancel, what do we do to try and save them? We provide them content that's useful. Not only, hey, you know, you've used this many envelopes, you've used this many templates, you've done these things. It's not just that, it's how do you use these things? What is the value proposition for you at the end of the day? And then that can mitigate churn, mitigate people from actually canceling the product. So we see content as being integral in saving as well as adopting in the beginning. Can you give me, and you can tell me no to this, but can you give me an example of a metric that you might see and then match that up to the type of content you need to create? For that project, we had you know, a certain amount of content. We had probably five or six content pieces throughout that process. And I can't tell you the exact percentage, but right, of we course. were able to use that content. And also it was heavily dependent on design and how to keep them in, you know, in our, in our ecosystem. But we were able to mitigate churn by quite a percentage by giving them not only, you know, the ability to stay with us because they had maybe a promotion or something like that, but what that content is. So we can, we have the ability, this has not been set up just yet, but we have the ability to measure those clicks on each piece of content in that cancel, what we call a cancel save flow. So we're able to do that. All of those things need to be set up as part of an attribution framework, um, but we have the opportunity, which I think is really important, especially because Mitigating churn is a huge, huge thing in customer success. It is a main metric that we are measured by, both on the content side, on the sales side, all of those things. So I think it's it's relatively important and needs to actually, I think in general, probably needs to have more attention paid to it in terms of what you were saying before about lifetime value. Yeah, and I think what's really neat is that DocuSign is actually thinking about this. like. Like, was that a challenge for you or was that something where it was like they were already thinking about this before you came in? I'm not sure. When I came in, I had championed content attribution for a very long time to get to certain metrics, to get to certain business goals. But I think that our team had been really, really integral in taking feedback from, you know, like leadership about like, what are those metrics? What does success look like for mitigating churn and all of those things? So I think that overall, um, integrating content into that measurement framework, whether it's churn or adoption or something like that, I think that's something that we're really putting emphasis on now. And we're trying to expand our content development capabilities and also along with that, the measurement as well. Gotcha. Cool. All right. So let's transition into the next portion of our show. I want to know a little bit more about your uh, pregame for editing. You've gotten 
the process. You know what you're going to be creating because the data's informed it. You've created the piece. Now you're going into the edit. Tell me a little bit about what that looks like, and then we'll jump into the actual edit of the document uh, beforehand sure. or afterwards. So when I write, it's kind of like that stop-start mentality where, you know, you write something. I basically word bomb it out to a page. I put as much as I can down there. So then the copy editing process is a lot easier. You can always remove. It's harder to continually add. So what I do is I stop start. So when I write a piece, I have to put it aside, whether it's, you know, something that I only have an hour or I have a day. Um, that pregame process really needs to be, you know, down pat, whether it's, you know, me taking that break, listening to music, reading other writers' um, work just to get inspiration for sentence structure and how to introduce new topics, how to really promote value. Um, so I start and I stop. I listen to music. I do all of the things that really need to get me into that zone. Um, and then, you know, of course, like you go through your copy editing process and you see maybe some holes where you could actually improve. So, yeah, I like to do that. And, you know, I like to really think critically and think about the audience while I'm doing it, because if you're editing for yourself, that doesn't really that's not really helpful. <laughs> but right. if you're editing to understand, like how to best communicate to an audience, I think that that is really key for creating a good piece of content. I always love this question because we get all sorts of different answers. We had um, Emily Triplett Lentz on uh, from, she's from Calendly uh, a little while ago. And she said that she sits on her hands while she reads because it resists the urge to like jump straight into line edits. And uh, personally, I'm someone who has to like really meditate on why somebody would be wanting to read this piece or like have clicked on it or whatever. So it's always a really fascinating thing to kind of see what that pregame looks like for a lot of people. Um, all right, let's hop into, we're at the half hour mark. I'm going to bring up the screen here so we can walk through the edits that you've already done. Before we get into it, though, what was your first impression of the piece? I thought it was pretty well written. It was a little bit prescriptive. So it told the, uh, the customer or the prospect, it told them what to do. It told them really how to think about stuff. And I think that, you know, I actually printed it out. I did <laughs> replicate it, which is funny because I misunderstood the excitement. <laughs> but really making sure that there were clarifying words, that there were good, there, there was like good sentence structure. But I thought that overall it was pretty well done. There was a little bit of jargon that like could have been clarified, but, you know, based on, you know, my subject matter expertise, it wasn't necessarily there for me to clarify. But still, I thought that it was a great piece and it didn't need a ton of reworking, but I definitely put some effort in there. And that's it for the podcast edition of The Cutting Room. If you'd like to watch while Melissa edits live, click on the link in the show notes and you'll be brought directly to the edit on our YouTube channel. If you'd like to attend the next live session, sign up for our email list at thecontentstudio.com forward slash the cutting room or by following the link in the show notes. Thank you again, and we'll see you in the next one.